Let us pray. Father, today I offer you the words from Holy Scripture that they may be like oil seeping into our very being, that we may glorify you by what we do, not just by what we say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Be seated, please. Ash Ash Wednesday as a historical time is an interesting time because the scriptures always fit well together. I want to go back and look at Isaiah to begin with, the Old Testament lesson, because it is a directive of God to Isaiah on what he's to tell the people. He is a prophet. And it's not spelled P-R-O-F-I-T, it's P-R-O-P-H-E-T. And it's an interesting thing because many people don't understand what a prophet is. Prophecy is really speaking forth the word of God. It's not just anointing people and laying hands on them and then being healed, but it is speaking forth the word of God. And you may lay hands on people and pray for them, and it's the word of God. There are many times that we read the scriptures and we don't really understand what the scripture is saying and it's not till later in reading the scriptures I will say, oh, now I understand because I've read something else that relates back to it. And I want to read for you today because the scriptures really are the sermon. I, don't, I might share a few things, tidbits about the points that we make, but really I want you to listen closely to what Isaiah is directed to tell the people. Because if you understand Israel, when Israel was good, they were good. But when they were bad, they were bad. He sent the judges to straighten them out. And they were good for a while. And when the judges left, they fell into disrepute again. And he sent another judge. And they were good for a while. And then they fell into disrepute again when they left. He's just, they were just like the church today. My parish was made up of three kinds of people. We had believers, we had unbelievers, and we had make-believers. The hardest people to deal with were the make-believers. So I want to read to you closely from the 58th chapter that you heard Suzanne reading. God tells Isaiah, cry aloud and do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. The shofar or the trumpet was an instrument of warning, calling the people of Israel to come and battle. So he's telling Isaiah, like a sound of trumpet, I want you to do battle with the message that I give you. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins, Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness. And they didn't. And did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgment. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? 
Why have we humbled ourselves, yet you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppressed all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? And will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is what we do, hearing the word, do we obey the word? Or do we make up what we want to hear so often? Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? And then you shall light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom to be as the noonday. The words of Isaiah are fantastic to us on this Ash Wednesday, but they're good for every day in our life. For we seek righteousness after God, and that's the message that he was told to share with the people of Israel. It's not just to them, but it's to every one of us that this message goes forth, to share with our neighbors. In Kentucky, there is a revival taking place. It started out, and I've listened to it, and they have lost touch with how it started. They're now talking about, well, we have to love each other, and that's fine. But it started because a young man during their normal worship service during the way came forward and repented of his sinfulness. He came forward and repented of his sinfulness. We don't really understand repentance. It's a nice word, but we really don't understand it. It really means to change the direction of our life. So if we're walking in sin, God wants us to repent. He wants us to change the way we're living out our lives. He calls us to repentance. Not just confession. We confuse confession and repentance. And they're not the same. We can confess all we want, but if we don't repent, don't change the way we're doing. And I love commercials on TV, because I don't understand half of them. But 
but I love commercials because there's this guy that's got COPD and he's going to repent because he can hardly breathe. And at the end of this commercial, I see him take a cigarette box and crumble it in his hands. That he's been smoking all that time and he couldn't understand why he couldn't breathe. Now, I don't mean to pick on anybody of you that smoke. That's your problem, not mine. I haven't smoked in years. But the issue is that we need to change the way we live to really understand why we go through some of the things we go through. I love cruise control in my car because I put cruise control on and then I don't have to worry about speeding, even though I do. So Isaiah was given this message to go forth and share it with God, to share it with the people, so they would repent, and they were fined, and then he sent the judges, and they still didn't. The tour guide that we went to with Israel took us through the priest cave. If you go to the western wall, the wailing wall, the western wall, and you go to the left, there is a big cave that you go through. It's called the priest cave. And as you entered the priest cave, when they went through and broke through into it, they found all the gods that they were worshiping. Not just our God, but all the other gods, just in case. These were the priests of the temple. And they would have heard and read from Isaiah. They would have heard it at that time, because it wasn't written. But they would have heard it and knew what they were called to have a righteous life. So they had our God with all the others. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians, the other scripture that we read at the 5th verse, the 20th, uh, 5th chapter, 20th verse. Once again, it's perfect for today. He says, therefore, and if you have therefore, you've got to know what came before. But he says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what it means to be an ambassador? You are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just me, not just Father Jeff, but every one of us here are representatives of the Lord Jesus. When I graduated from seminary, one of the clergy that was lined up to get the diploma had a collar on. He says, finally, I now I got my identity. He had a collar. Finally, he had his identity. That's foolishness. It's the life we're called to lead, not this. This comes out. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For God, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's not that Jesus became sinful because he was sinless, but he became identified as sin. Just like we could be looked at and be corrupted by how people see us, not that we really are that way, we're not necessarily that way, but he made people look at him as if he was sinful. They had to convince themselves that that was true, because as the high priest condemned him to put him on the cross, he had to be judged by three people to be able to be put forth and to be crucified. 
for the high priest to put him forth. So he says, for us to be reconciled to God, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace, the unmerited of love of God, grace of God in vain, for he says, in favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. He went to the cross for us. He helped us. He gave us the ultimate. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. For each of us, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation, not tomorrow. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. This is Paul writing. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet the true as unknown and yet well-known as dying, and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. I possess everything that is necessary. I possess Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. Every one of us here need to possess that. I can't speak for you, but that's what we need. We can be, I am the righteousness of God through and by the Holy Spirit and Christ Jesus. It's the only means I have of righteousness at all. It's through him. They look at us and say, but you're sinful. Yes, I am. But my sins have been washed clean by a difficult thing that for people to understand by the blood of the Lamb. How can something be washed clean by blood? But it is because it is purifying. That's what Jesus, and it didn't take much, just the pure side for him to bleed. And finally, the Gospel of Matthew. He says, beware of practicing, and this is important. These are what I always had trouble dealing with in my parish, was the make-believers. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. God knows everything there is to know about each and every one of us. There's no secrets. We can't hide anything from him. Sometimes I get up in the morning and say, don't look. But he knows. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Now, everywhere in Scripture, 
I was taught this by a professor, and I don't intend to give back, so I stole it from him. Anytime you read in Scripture, truly or truly, truly, it's very important. And my professor said, those are going to be on the exam. Maybe not in the book, but in heaven. So in the Gospel lessons, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When I send an offering to a ministry, and I won't tell you which ones I support, but when I send one, I said, don't put it on your list, please. No one needs to know. Just the bank when they cash the check. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. I don't want that reward. I want the reward that Jesus secured for me on the cross when they nailed him up on Good Friday. I wasn't saved on Easter. That's bad theology. Actually, I was saved on Good Friday when Jesus died. It was the shedding of his life and giving of his life that saved me and saved you. Sunday, Easter Sunday, was the assurity of what took place on Good Friday. I sat there in seminary one class and I raised my hand and I said, Sir, I, I don't think you have it right. I didn't get saved on Easter Sunday. And so I went back into the Old Testament and showed him it was the blood that was shed that I was saved. The blood of the sacrifice saved me. And Jesus was that sacrifice. And that's what they're talking about. That's what Matthew's talking about. Not for us to praise our own doing, but what he, Jesus, did for us. I have to, I, God constantly asks me, and I, I don't do a good job of it, but he says, I want you to do this for me. Sometimes it's easy to do, and sometimes it's difficult to do. To care for each other. To get up before a group of people and confess my sinfulness. St. Paul says, I am the chief sinner. I said, I let him be that. I'm second. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be, be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, and before you ask, pray then like this. And you know what it is. It's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So it's only as I forgive that I am forgiven. And so this day, Ash Wednesday, we start Lent and we prepare to live a life of forgiveness. For what purpose? that I too might be forgiven. And that's the message that God has for us. It's right there in the book, the owner's manual. It's right there in the Bible. And everything that we need is right here in this book.
see how many books like this you've worn out. Because they do fall apart. The joke that I have is that I had one recalled from the manufacturer because half of Genesis wound up, wound up in Matthew. So they recalled it and they wanted it back and I said, no, no, I need to keep that Bible because it is an important thing because that Genesis part needed to be in Matthew. Amen.